We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, coming to you live on a Tuesday. Ryan Roberts, Director of Scouting here at IrishBreakdown.com, joined by my man Brian Driscoll, the publisher, creator, owner, whatever you want to quote him as. He's got a long resume of names of IrishBreakdown.com. We have a fun show for you all today. We're really excited about this one, actually, because... Like we just yesterday, obviously, we had the recruiting hour show. You should go back and check out that show if you didn't. Yesterday, we talked about a lot of the recruiting uh, recruits that were on on campus this past weekend and week 2024, 2025 alike. There will be another big one this weekend for that March 31st, April 1st window of getting some more recruits on. But uh, we're in a little bit of a weird window in that we ha- we yeah. don't have we don't have that spring practice availability for a little bit. So. There was a, a fun conversation that I know Brian especially kind of brought to the table here about Josh Pate put on a his top 10 list of col- of current college football teams. Programs, that were ba- yeah, like yes. programs, yeah. Programs, yes. And it was based on a, a interesting bit of criteria, you know, a combination of multi-year success, so kind of what have you done for me lately type of conversation little bit of synergy around the program. So I guess that's more of sustainability and how things are kind of working together, right? That synergy within a program. And then, of course, trajectory. What is that program going to look forward moving forward, right? Yeah. What, are the, what is the, kind of their upside as far as the overall program? So me and Brian thought it would be fun to make our own lists and yeah. see where we disagree, where we yeah. agree, some programs we see in the same light, others we don't kind of see eye to eye. I think it's going to be a great conversation, Brian, and one that I'm really looking forward to, man, because I, I think there's a lot of varying opinions. I mean, there's going to be yeah. a lot of people in the chat that are going to have completely different opinions than us as well. You and I have I think very that makes different it opinions on we this. Do. Yeah. We the do. next two days, Ryan, I'm very excited about, and obviously this show is going to be a lot of fun. And the reason I wanted to talk about Josh Pate doing it is I'm kind of new to who Josh Pate is. I didn't know about him until recently. A lot of people have been, hey, you got to listen to this guy. This guy's very fair. And I've listened to some of his shows, probably about eight or nine of his shows. I'm like, this guy's really fair, very knowledgeable. He's good. Yeah. And when I don't agree with him, I can be like, I don't think he's, I don't agree with him there. I think that's an incorrect take but I get where he's coming from and he's making a sound argument. I like people like that. And so I thought it was a, it was an interesting show. I wanted to do it. And then tomorrow we're going to have a great show too, Ryan. 
uh, tomorrow we are going to have a one of our fundraiser shows, and we are partnering with the Notre Dame softball team. And we're going to have head coach Deanna Gump on tomorrow. They are doing a, a fundraiser to fight childhood cancer in the local area. And their goal is to raise $40,000. And I have always wanted to be a part of fundraiser like this. I've been trying to get St. Jude on board with us, and they just don't respond at all uh, to us. But this is a great cause, and it's very personal to Coach Gump, which will have her on the show tomorrow. She's going to talk about this uh, fundraiser. She's going to talk about the program. I'm going to give the link in the show today and tomorrow uh, for their direct fundraiser. So if you want to give to where you can kind of get back sort of a, you know, the donation slips and all that for tax purposes, the ideal thing is to give through their site. What we're Mm -hmm. also going to do tomorrow is after Coach Gump is on, we're going to do a straight mailbag. The mailbag is going to be Super Chats only we're only taking questions for super chats and every single cent of super chat money we make we will then i will then give to that that platform so i'll take a picture of what the total is and then i will give that amount uh, to to the program on behalf of irish breakdown on behalf of our community and then also some people say well i can't be on the part of live shows we are now eligible for the super thanks what the super thanks is, is if you don't listen live, but you want to support the channel in that format, you can give a super thanks. It's underneath the bottom by the likes and the share and all that. And you can actually give a chat that way. And that will be included in the money that we give to the program. So I'll probably wait about 42 hours. I think the end date is the 31st. The program's going, I think, through the 31st or somewhere around there. Uh, is when their their drive ends, and I'll give that. That'll be part of it as well. So I'm very, very excited about that, and I know that our community is going to step up in a big way uh, and help out and help fight uh, child cancer. And I think when you hear why this is so important to Coach Gump, you'll you'll have an understanding you'll want to give. So I'm excited about that tomorrow as well. So we'll do that, Coach Gump, tomorrow, and then we'll do a, a Super Chat-only mailbag afterwards, which is going to be a lot of fun. Okay. So see, John And John A1 has already given a Super Chat today for that. So, John, I will put that towards the amount as well. But for today, don't give us any Super Chats for the mailbag. Uh, save those for tomorrow. It'll just make it easier for me to have them all in one show instead of trying to break up two shows. Like, what was for it? What was not? And uh, if you want to give us a Super Chat, hold off onto it tomorrow. And we'll uh, if you want to do both, you can do both. But definitely save that for tomorrow. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, Ryan, obviously, this topic yep. is a lot of fun because I don't think there's an easy answer. And so let's first kind of get into the the criteria because that's the other thing, too, is what's you, if you're all focused on just moving forward, then we're going to have a different top 10 than looking backwards, right? And so yep. uh, the, the criteria that, that Josh gave, as you mentioned, was both. It was looking back at recent success and then looking forward. He never said what his criteria was for past success. What we're going to do is look at the last five years. So 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. So from 2018 on, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at success from wins and losses. We're going to look at success from big wins. We're going to look at success as playoff appearances, you know, conference championships, all those type of things. And then also factor in somewhat balanced-wise where the program is headed moving forward. And I think that's where you can get into an interesting discussion, Ryan, because there's a top 10 team, there's a team, excuse me, there's a team that's not in Josh's top 10, not in your top 10, and not in my top 10, that flat out has an argument to be in it, but they're not because of the trajectory. And that is, for example, Cincinnati. Sure. Cincinnati, the last five years is 53 and 11. They have one of the best records in all of college football the last, the last uh, five years. The only teams with more wins the last five years uh, then Cincinnati are Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. That's it. And they're tied with Notre Dame. Same exact record. Why are they not in the top 10? It's not because in the AAC. It's because, because they're about to go to the Big 12. So you can't yeah. hold that against them. It's the coach that built that. It's gone. Yes. And I don't have a lot of faith in the coach that replaced them. So I don't have faith in Scott Satterfield to keep doing what Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens and Mike Denbrock and all the – you know, the really good staff that he put together Cincinnati did. And so that's why they're not in it. Yeah. There's a program in your a team and your and Josh's list that is 100% about what they're doing moving forward. It's not yes. about what they've done. Yep. And so we'll get into that. So a lot of it's subjective, and that's what makes it fun. And so, uh, and of course, we'll discuss what Josh said about Notre Dame, and we'll talk about where we think Notre Dame should be as a program. And you and I are close, but we're not exactly the same on where Notre Dame should be. So let's begin, Ryan, with what Josh's top 10. And he went 10 to 1, 10 Oklahoma, 9 USC, 8 Utah, 7 Penn State, 6 Notre Dame, 5 Clemson, 4 Ohio State, 3 Michigan, 2 Alabama, and 1 Georgia. Yeah. That was his top 10. There's a lot in there to discuss. You have some agreements with him. A I, lot of agreements. I, I show a lot of agreements. Yeah, a lot of uh, agreements your your him. top your top seven is on point with his, which we'll get into. Yeah. So let's kind of go through it, Ryan. I thought the Oklahoma one was was very. So well, let's let's think. Do we want to give our top tens and then kind of dive into his as we then talk about ours, or do we want to wait to give ours afterwards? What do you think will be the best way to kind of flow I, through it? I think that we should work through ours together and then we can kind of compare it and then we can kind of debunk, well, not debunk, that's not the right word, but we can kind of discuss, gain a general understanding yeah. of the, how the three minds are kind of viewing this type of thing. Yeah. Like that, I think so, that's a good way to go. Yeah. Yep. All right. So um, 
so let's cut. So we'll go his, ours, and um, and yours. His and ours together is what you're yes. saying. Yes. So then we'll yep. just kind of do you want to just we're, give we're ours bringing, now? We're bringing the synergy on this yes. show, Brian. We're the, synergy the synergy from the top ten. So do we want to yes. just kind of go, um, you know, right now, Ryan? Just kind of uh, give our ten and then kind of go through it that way, and then just you know give our ten. Then say, so let's start at the number ten and and who he yeah. has, who I have, who you have. Yeah, I think that's a good way. way. Good comparison that way. Yeah. So let's give your 10. Yep. So working down from number 10 all the way down to number one, I had number 10. I had the USC Trojans. Number nine, I had the Oregon Ducks, LSU at number eight for me, Penn State at seven, Notre Dame at six, five is Clemson. Then I have Ohio State at four, Michigan at three, Alabama at two, and number one, I have Georgia. You and I have a lot of a lot of similar agreements, Ryan. Um, I have my ten here. We have a, we agree on one and we agree on two. We have Georgia and Alabama number one and number two. So, um, so yeah, he's good, Ryan. We, well, we're getting a little pop from yours, so I'll go ahead and go through my ten, and then you can kind of re- restart and get back in here. Uh, so I'll go through my ten, and, and mine's a little bit different. So, so mine is I have ten. I have Utah. Nine. I have Penn State. Eight, I have Oklahoma. Seven, I have LSU. Six, I have Michigan. And I, and I was kind of a little bit back and forth on on dropping Michigan a little bit lower. And I'll, I'll get into that when we when we get with Ryan. Uh, I'm not quite as high on Michigan as some other people are. Uh, but Michigan six, Notre Dame five, Clemson four, Ohio State three, Alabama two, and Georgia one. So he, here's kind of the the criteria that we're looking at here. We're looking at a combination of sort of past, present, and future. And the present and the future are kind of flowing together. And so I think one of the mistakes that I think people make is if you're going to look at the past together, then you have to look the past as a whole, not just the most recent last two seasons. And so for me, uh, that's kind of what comes into my criteria. It's it's trying to comp- combine those five years. Now, I don't know if Josh looked at five years, three years, two years. I don't believe he said in the the video. He mentioned, you know, I think his specific phrasing of it was like the, a multi-year look. So clearly he's looking back to some degree. And I think the biggest the biggest conversation to start with, Ryan, you know, is is do you agree? Well, let me ask you this. A team that we don't have in it, Cincinnati. Yep. If Luke Fickle was still at Cincinnati, would you have them in your top 10? I, I would because I think that you are playing with this, the assumption that they're going to be a consistent 10-win team mm-hmm. you know, throughout the entirety. And you know, when the stars align like they did a couple years ago, they have the potential to make a playoff run, right? Like they have the, I don't think that they're ever going to win a national championship at Cincinnati under Luke Fickle, but I think they're going to be a consistent double-digit, uh, double-digit win team win win conference championships and contend for a playoff spot. So yes, they would be in that conference. They would probably be nine or 10 because I do think there's a little bit of a cap on how good they can be, but I do think that the consistency is really what, yeah. what kind of stands out for coach fickle at Cincinnati. So I think the next one that's I find fascinating, Ryan is the USC conversation and you and Josh both had USC in your top tens and, and he had them nine and you had them 10. Make your case for USC, because and I'll explain why I don't have them in my top ten. Yeah, well, I, I think that the the tough part that comes with these like past conversations for me, Brian, as far as like what they've been, 
is that we're talking about multiple regimes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I think the conversation gets a little muddled. Like, I don't want to hold against Lincoln Riley what Clay Helton did before him, right? And so, like, I know we have to look, though, at that scope. So that sure. why it, that's why it pushes them down my list, obviously, number 10. I just wanted to get them on because when you look at kind of what the future is, I think about, you know, one, I think it's great when USC is good, you know, for mm-hmm. the betterment of college football, for one, right? Better for Notre Two, Dame and better for college football. Agree exactly. Exactly. And USC is one of those spots that's always going to get football players. They're always going to get high-level athletes. And Lincoln Riley has shown, although I think that there is some question if he could take a team over the hill, that he's going to get an offense to such a high level that they are going to be you know, a very good team moving forward. Like I expect them to be a 10-double-digit win team just about every single year, contend for a playoff spot, and, you know, pretty regularly as far as kind of moving forward. So I think the future really bolts them up. And again, I'm just, I, I looked at Clay Helton's last couple of years, which were obviously not very good, especially as last year, but I didn't want to fully hold it against Lincoln Riley because sure. that is a different regime than what you're working with now, yeah. obviously. And I think that's very fair because if we're looking at the last five years and we're taking out any context or so remove context from the conversation, Ryan, USC went 33 and 24 the last five years. They went 11 and three this year. Right, which is very good, but then four and yep. eight, five and one, eight and five, and five and seven. Based on that conversation, they do not belong in this conversation. I mean, I could argue right. Memphis, Houston, teams like that belong in it over over USC. But as you said, it's a completely different regime, and so you have to be able to take that into context. Yep. My, my, my reason for not having them in is number one, I just think there's other programs that are more deserving. And, and I think the Oklahoma debate is going to be interesting because you could say, well, hold on, you're putting Oklahoma in the top 10 because of what they've done. But they did that with the guy that's at USC now. And that's a very fair argument. I think that'd be a very fair argument to make about Oklahoma. Because if you look at Oklahoma the last four years, they've gone 51 and 14. Yeah. Uh, based on my, my tracking of the, of the win losses of the teams that I considered, Oklahoma would be sixth in that, in that list of schools. They went 51 and 14. Michigan, for example, went 46 and 14. In that stretch, I believe Oklahoma from 18 to 22 has made two playoff appearances. Well, okay, but who was the head coach on those playoff teams? It would be the, the counter argument. And that's very fair. And, and I think you yeah. can make that case, which is why I'm not banging either you or or Josh for having USC in there. I get it. Yeah. My cons- my reason for not having them is twofold. Number one is I'm still not sold on Lincoln Riley as being able to take USC beyond what they were last year. And and he did that with an all-world quarterback. And with all due respect, I don't think Malachi Nelson's that guy. And I don't know who that guy is going to be unless they get another transfer. I don't love the team building through the portal. I don't. I don't think that's sustainable the way that it is with other programs. For example, you look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma had a big impact this past year uh, in the portal, right? I mean, we've talked about that. I thought Oklahoma had a really good portal offseason. Got some – and not just getting the big names. They didn't get a ton of big names, but they got a lot of, like, good program guys, which they need at positions of big need. The difference, however, Ryan, to me, is Oklahoma still did a lot of high school recruiting. They still focused a lot on high school recruiting, and USC's not doing as much of that, in my opinion. Sure. And and they're fo- trying to focus more on the portal, whereas Oklahoma's using the portal the way that I think the portal is proven to be successful, which is filling holes, building yeah. up weaknesses that you can't assume a freshman is going to come in and do. 
And so I don't know. We have yet to see Lincoln Riley build a team the way that I think works because he didn't do it at Oklahoma. He inherited a great situation at Oklahoma. So that's kind of why I need to see him do it for another year. If they have another 11 and three year next year or better, then I'm willing to put LSU in. I just need to see more than one season of it. And and yeah. his track record at Oklahoma, while good, and they're going to be in my top 10, I just wonder if it's sustainable. And this is unfair of me to say, I'm completely admit it. I'm not sold he's going to be there for the next five years. It's fair. That is 100% conjecture. That's an unfair thing to say, to be completely honest with you, but that's where I'm at with that one. Yeah. So I just need to see a little bit more sustainability for me. Now, I think that they'll be in this – they could jump into the top five next year, Ryan. If he has another offseason like he did this past year and the portal kids that they got work like last year's portal kids work, they can get better on defense, that's a big thing for me too. They play no defense. Yeah. And I'll I'll talk about Oklahoma in a minute when it comes to, to that one. But if he does – builds on what they did last year, they could go from not in my top five or not in my top 10 and at number 10 for you and Josh to, or 10 for you, nine for Josh to top five. I mean, USC is always capable of that. It didn't take Pete Carroll very long to build USC up. And I would argue that USC is in a better place now with him arriving than when Pete arrived, because Pete couldn't go to the portal the way that Lincoln Riley can. And it took Pete, what, four years to win a title Yep. Right. And the Pac-12 was better, in my opinion, back then than it is now. So th- those are things. But here's the other. Here's the final thing for me. I still don't have a lot. I don't. I still don't know. I think USC is still a bit of an unknown because I'm curious how the, how them going to the Big Ten is going to impact their their program. And I think that's the final piece for me that makes it yeah. a little bit of a I'm, I'm uncertain with that. I, I get the uncertainty. I would feel a lot better about this pick having the top 10, to be honest, if you could guarantee me that at some point, like a Riley would wake up and be like, huh, the Alex Grinch thing has never really worked except for right. one year. Like we should probably stop doing this. Right. Because I think that he is always going to attract talent. I mean, I think it's a great conversation as far as the, how you're going to acquire that talent, like which is the best sustainable way. And I think that it's very fair to say that, you know, the high school is still the best route to go with, portal being a, a fill-in a filler right like i think that that is is again makes complete sense i would just say for me that i still because brian like the teams that just narrowly missed my list i guess this is kind of where that conversation goes to oklahoma for instance right was in like that next group for me but that yeah. would have been entirely about what they've done recently and not what their future is because at six and seven this year I know that they're acquiring talent and it's going to be a better roster moving forward there's no doubt but i just I'm just not sold on Brett Venables being that yeah, guy, man. I'm agree. just not. So I just I I they hit the future is the part that gets yeah. muddled for me with Oklahoma. If yeah. it was just about the past and you know recruiting, that I'd be like, yeah, sure, I could get there, but I just don't know if it's the right guy at the head of at the head yeah. in charge that's going to take him there. Like that's just where and that's why I have him eight, is. Ryan. That's why I have him yeah. at eight, and I think and I would be willing to bet that that's why Josh has him at ten. Yeah. If we were just looking at the last five years even with the down season, they deserve to be high. They deserve to be ahead of Michigan based on the last five years. They flat out do. I mean, it's, it's not really close. Well, Michigan has two playoff appearances. So does Oklahoma, right? I mean, they went to the playoff in eight, seven, 18 and 19 during the stretch. And, and so uh, Michigan lost to a big 12 team in the playoff, right? I mean, first big 12 team to win a playoff game, I think 
in the history of the college football playoff, I don't think a Big 12 team has ever won a playoff game, correct? Oklahoma's been on the only one that ever made it, and they didn't win a playoff yeah. game. Yep. Until Michigan faced one, right? So if we were just looking at the last five years, Oklahoma flat out is a top five program, or at least at the at worst six, at worst six. But you could argue they should be ahead of Michigan. And, and you could potentially argue they deserve to be ahead of Notre Dame because they have some conference championships in their belt. Sure. But – I think for me, I'm with you on the Brent Venables concerns, but here's where Brent Venables won a little bit of a let's see how he does because that team early in the season, Ryan, was a team that had did not want to be on the football field. They did not want to be out there. And he pushed some buttons that the team didn't get necessarily a lot better down the stretch. They were better. Yeah. But, you know, they, 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 they lost like four four of their last five, but you know what? They didn't quit. They competed. They battled where early in the year, Ryan, they were not competitive. I mean, early in the year, they got, they lost to Kansas State by a touchdown. It wasn't that close. Let's be honest. It wasn't as close as a seven point game. They got blown out by TCU and they got blown out by Texas. He got them to rally back with a big win over Kansas. At the time was big. They beat Iowa State on the road. And then they lost to Baylor and West Virginia and Texas Tech and Florida State. But each one of those games was a three-point loss. And they looked great in the bowl game against Florida State. I mean, Florida State had to pull out all the stops to win that football game. So that just gave me a little bit of hope. And then they've had a really good offseason. Somebody wants to tell me that Oklahoma doesn't belong in it because Brent Venables has to prove himself. I'm with you. I just think, based on their track record, that they belong in there at eight. I think what you could argue with me about, Ryan, is maybe put them down a little bit. I'm I'm a lot lower on Penn State than some other teams. Now, here's an interesting team that that uh, that uh, that you did not have in your top ten that Josh did. Josh had Utah at eight. I had Utah at ten. Yeah, I'll make my case for Utah, and then you tell me why you didn't have him in it. Sure. Number one is I think when you talked about stability, there's very few programs that have more stability. Than what you than what Utah has been, you're talking about a team that in three of the last four years has won at least ten games. The only year they didn't win ten games is the COVID year because only played five, and they're back to back Pac-12 champs. And they just beat USC twice. I mean, Lincoln Riley with his All World quarterback and Utah's throwing out freaking Cam Rising, and they had injuries at running back. They had they had issues on defense with some personnel injuries, and yet they still went out and won the Pac-12 again. That to me said a lot about. Utah and, and just the consistency. Now, I do not think Utah is a team capable of winning a championship. I don't, which is why I have them 10th. Yep. But I think they're one of the more dependable, steady programs the last four or five years. And they've recruited well. And you know, he's he's used the recent success to recruit well for them. And I think that's something that uh, factored into it for me. I, you know, and they had the number 21 recruiting class in the country this past year. Which for Utah, it's pretty good. It's it's the it's highest awesome. class they've had in a long time, Ryan. And so, yeah, uh, they've been able to spring that success uh, into recruiting success. The I mean, the previous years, before that, they were thirty four and twenty two and twenty one. Uh, they were thirtieth in in two thousand and twenty on the recruiting trail. They were forty second in two thousand nineteen, and they were thirty third. And they did that, and they've been able to be a top ten caliber team. And I'm someone who's come around on Oklahoma. I would, I mean, you, oh, Utah. I was kind of a Utah's not who people think they are. The last two years, they've shown me something. Just destroying Oregon twice in 2000 and in, uh, 
in 2021 where I thought Oregon was a good football team and they went out and obliterated Oregon twice. Yep. And then to come out this year and beat Oregon, they lost to Oregon on the road in a close game. They, they could have won. And then they beat USC twice. I mean, the last two years they are four and one, I think against USC and, and Oregon, and they're not going down. Those other programs have to rise up to them. And until they prove to me that they can out-coach Utah and out-physical Utah, I'm still going to have Utah in there. And, and right now, Utah is my only Pac-12 team in the top 10 for me, just because they have they have had such a lack of success when they play out. Utah is the only team in that league that's been able to go out of conference and be competitive, in my opinion. Those other teams have struggled to do that, in my view. Yeah. I mean, Utah for me is everybody, I think that listens to this channel knows that I'm a big fan of Kyle Whittingham and what he's been able to do at Utah. I mean, you work back to even his days in the Mountain West when they were a dominant team. And then there was some transitional stuff, obviously, that when they went to the Pac-12 and there was a couple down years there. And, you know, the last few years specifically, Coach Whittingham has gotten that team to being, you know, right at the top of the Pac-12 the last two years, right, as far as winning Pac-12 championships. I love what he's done. The consistency, I think, is incredible. He's Utah is lucky to have the regime that they have because they just continue to keep guys like Kyle Whittingham, to keep Morgan Scowley as their defensive coordinator. I, I think that that sustainability has been fantastic. The reason that they actually they were the first team off my list at number 11 is just because I just question what the upside is long-term. Like That's my biggest thing. Sustainability is great. Coaching, love it. Some talent that I really like. But I think that USC, for me, as a team moving forward, that if they are, you know, as they continue to build up, I think that they're a potential playoff team in a you know, decent stretch of years. That's kind of where I look at. Utah, I don't think they quite have that window. Contention for Pac-12 championships, no doubt. They've shown that the last two years. Winning 10 games, absolutely. They've shown that. I just question if there is a championship, you know, championship over the Pac-12 championship window for Utah. I don't know if they quite have that in my opinion. And I don't think there is with Utah, but that's why they're not a top four team. Yep. If I thought they were a championship caliber team, they'd be my top four. I would I love to he, see Kyle Whittingham. I would love, love to see it. him go to like a a different program just for like a couple years stretch where I'm just like see what he can do with a little bit more resources, you know? I, but I you would wonder, love to would see he, it. Would he be that good though? That that That's the thing is like some guys are just great fits at certain spots and and that's what you wonder. You don't know. But you, you he, the word you used right there discussing USC is why I can't put them ahead of them yet. Because USC is still a potential program. Sure. You know, like you look at last year, the only, to me, the only really good team, I would say, that they really beat last year was Notre Dame. You could argue UCLA. Uh, but in Notre Dame, did not play well and still had a shot in the fourth quarter to get in that game, you know, to, to, to get in that game. You know, Utah beat them twice. They got beat by Tulane. And it's just kind of like, they got to still show me. I can't put a team in the top 10 that's still all about potential, in my sure. view, with no track record or very little track record to speak of. Having said that, I'm not going to knock someone for having USC in the top 10. I just feel like I have to go too much onto because we're trying to balance past, present, and future, right? With USC, the past is just, it's not good at all. It doesn't belong in the conversation. And the future is very bright, in my opinion. It is. I think USC is going to be five to six in no time. But they just have to prove to me that they're going to be able to get there first. And once they do, then I'll 
be on board moving him up because I think he can do very similar things at USC that he did Oklahoma. It's just he hasn't shown me he can win against non-conference opponents. He certainly certainly didn't look great against non-conference opponents last year. You know, so a depleted Notre Dame team played with him for four quarters and they got beat by Tulane. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with USC. Oh, I actually got Tulane on this list, man. I completely forgot about the yeah. fighting, uh, fighting Green Wave, yeah. man. They're, they're not going to be on my list. <laughs> So the the so Josh so we've talked about Oklahoma so Josh had Oklahoma ten USC nine Utah eight we've talked about those three teams. Yep, Ryan, the number seven team on your list is the number nine team on my list, and is the number seven team on Josh's list. So let's go there next, and that's Penn State. Sure, you, you state your case for Penn State. They're in my top ten as well, but I'll explain yep. why I have them a little bit lower than than others. Well, I think that this is a similar conversation to Utah to a degree, right? It's about sustainability over the last couple of years. Now you're seeing that this team is just rising to, they're going to win double digit games. Like I didn't think they were a great team this year, Brian. And I, I kind of blinked my eye and they win like 11 games. Right. right. I'm just like, huh, that's, you know, they have yeah. talent there. Right. And yeah. James Franklin has shown that he can create sustainable programs. I mean, the guy won at Vanderbilt, who else has ever done that? Right. So I'm not the biggest James Franklin fan of all time. People know that already. But I can't just kind of gloss over and say like that he hasn't taken Penn State to a pretty good level as far as sustainability, winning games year in and year out. And he recruits at a very high level, right? Like they're always going to have a plethora of talent in Happy Valley. So is there some concerns for me as far as, you know, could they compete for a Big Ten championship? It's possible any given year, in my opinion, with that, with the roster they have. Can they win a, can they make a playoff run? Maybe once in a blue moon. Can they win a championship, a, a national championship? I don't think so. No, I don't think that they are, which is why that they're lower on my list. I think that they're down at number nine. But the other way I look at this, O'Brien, is that for the future we're talking about, right, there's that floor with Franklin as far as they'll win a you know a good amount of games and they'll be in that contention conversation. If James Franklin ever leaves and they get a really good coach in there, then you're like, that roster – is ready to go, man, if you get the right hire. So they can't – I think the talent level, when you look at the, the talent on the roster the last couple of years and even now, you could argue that they should be higher on this list just from a pure roster perspective, right? But the thing that holds them back and why they're only uh, – why they you know, weren't any higher than seven for me is because I just question if James Franklin has a high ceiling to the program. But regardless, moving forward, that is a talented roster that if the right coach is in place, whether it's Franklin or not – they have some stuff to work with, right? So I think that it's just a good meshing of past, present, and future because I think that there is a floor to it, and there's a lot of talent in that roster, obviously. Here, here's my issues with Penn State. Penn State is the biggest stat-padding team in college football, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is the last two years looked great, Ryan. I mean, well, last year looked great. They went 11-2 and two last year. But the two years before that, they were seven and six and four and five. They went eleven and two in 2019, won a major bowl game over Memphis, and then they were nine and four the year before that. They're 42 and 19 the last five years, which is good, but it's not in the same conversation as other programs. Like for Notre Dame, for example, who we all have higher than Penn State, but some people say, oh, they deserve to be over Penn State. Notre Dame's 53 and 11 the last few years. Notre Dame's worst year at nine and four is tied for Penn State's third – is actually would be Penn State's tied for their third best season. That was Notre Dame's worst season of the last five years. And not close. By two games, it was Notre Dame's worst season. Their recruiting is very good. It's always been good. James Franklin's always had talented teams. He just never gets the most out of it. 
But here's here's the big stat for me, though, Ryan. When you look at Penn State the last couple of years, <clears throat> and you look at what their record is against ranked opponents, uh, this is kind of looking at where teams finished ranked. If I'm if I'm accurate on this, and these rankings are 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 accurate, and I believe that they are, they went one and two this year against ranked opponents. Last year they went zero and five. They're one and seven against ranked opponents the last two years. I I I would I would argue that they deserve to be outside of the top ten as opposed to moving up above where I have them at nine. This is a team that I'm kind of adamant about. I don't think they deserve to be higher because they have had as many down years as good years in the last four years. They've had two really good eleven to two seasons and two pretty bad seasons, in my opinion, seven and six and four and five. And, and so I just – I can't go with having them up higher because I, you have to be able to have some wins to kind of hang your hat on or at least a level of consistency. Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of the big wins to hang their hat on, but they have consistency, and that's the difference to me. And and in the last five years, I mean, they've both got a win over Michigan. Neither has beat Ohio State, you know, that kind of thing. But I just feel like I don't have a lot of faith in James Franklin to get the most out of the talent that he has. And and I just don't think that changes. Now we'll see if he can what he can do with a with a, a, a talented quarterback. Yes, <laughs> and he's definitely gonna have a talented quarterback. But look, everybody keeps telling me that Will Levis is a top ten pick, and Will Levis did nothing at in, at Penn State. Uh, but I, I I don't think that's I don't think that's on him. I'm just kind of being sarcastic there and taking a little little shot at hey, hey man, Sean, Will Levis is a top ten pick. Sean Clifford just ran a four five two at their pro yeah. day, so there's that. Yeah. That surprised me. That, <laughs> well, they have they have a notoriously fast track. Yes, but still, I don't care how fast your track is. A four five two. It's not like he's a four nine on a normal track. I mean, he's probably he's probably a four six flat on like a legitimate track. But either way, it's still still running, man. It's still moving. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So that's why I have Penn State at nine, right? I'm just I'm not the believer in because like we we don't know what Brent Venables is going to do, but I'm willing to bet on Brent Venables, who's been a part of championship teams over James Franklin. And and so when you combine the and and it, oh, as good as Penn State's recruiting, Oklahoma's every bit as good, if not better, in Brent Venable's first year. Sure. So combined with the track record of success at Oklahoma, and then the recruiting, and then just having no faith in James Franklin, that's why I have Oklahoma ahead of Penn State. That's so fair. we're not that's that fair. far off. It's seven I, versus nine. It's not like you yeah. have four. I don't. I don't have that much. In, I don't have that much faith in James Franklin either. I have faith in the in the roster and the talent that they have. My, my my um I guess my slight pushback would just be that you know it's it's with the Brett Venables, at least I've seen double digit win seasons under Franklin, right? Like I've never seen it with Venables sure. at all as a head coach. That's so fair. that's just he's a wait and see guy for me. Yeah. He's just a wait and see that's guy. That's very fair. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to push against that. It really is. All I would say is 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 we kind of have the same view of Lincoln Riley, or I have the same argument of Lincoln Riley. Let's see. Sure. Your whole argument for USC is let's see what they can do. You know, and and so I, same thing. But at least with Lincoln Riley, there's a track record. Exactly. It's just not at the school that he's at. So it's a very fair debate. And like I said, if you want to put USC ahead of Oklahoma, Ryan, I'm not going to be like, dude, seriously, <laughs> you're crazy. I get it. I completely get it. I just I'm not as high on Lincoln Riley as some other people are. That's really what it comes down to. But USC obviously does have a great program. Yep. Now we get into a, an interesting part of the conversation, Ryan. You and Josh both have Notre Dame at number six. I have Notre Dame at number five. 
And uh, you have Michigan at five. Ryan has Michigan or Josh has Michigan at three. So let's kind of talk about Notre Dame and then the Michigan debate. But let's first state your case for why you think Notre Dame is is because six is pretty good. I mean, that's a six very good, a good ranking. Let's yep. talk about why you have real quick, just for the record. If you look at all the teams in the conversation, Notre Dame is fifth in wins. Yep. Uh, they are two behind Ohio State. That deserves a little bit of an asterisk because Ohio State only played eight games in 2020. 2020 Notre Dame played 12. Right. Had Ohio State played a full season, at worst they go 11-2, and two, and they've got four more wins on their schedule uh, and maybe five. So just want to throw that caveat in there. The next closest is Ohio, Oklahoma at 40, 51, and then after that, LSU and Michigan are tied at 46. Right. So – just, well, yeah, that's so, the I mean, for Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, so my reasoning for six for Notre Dame is again, I had Clemson at five, Ohio State at four, Michigan at three, two Alabama, and one Georgia. So the reason that I look at Notre Dame and I pay them at six is is because from the sustainability perspective, I mean, Brian's already talked about what the record's been over the last few years, right? Like they've been a sustainable program. I do think that the caveat you have to look at though is say. That was a part, mostly a part of a different regime, though, right? That was Brian Kelly's teams, right? Now you look at it, it's Marcus Freeman. Nine and four in the first year isn't a terrible year, obviously, but there's still a lot that needs to be proven from Marcus Freeman's staff and as far as what they what the heights that they can push it to over the next few years. Now, obviously, I'm very high on what Coach Freeman can do at Notre Dame, but until it happens, it's still an unknown, right? Like we still have to look at that and be and be fair to say. Yes, we think that we can still be a double-digit win team. I think that there's a possibility that Coach Freeman can take it to much higher heights, but you still need to see it, right? Like there's still those questions until it's tangible in front of your face. So when I look at that, I just it, I just couldn't put it above Clemson, Ohio State, and a couple others they because I mean, definitely don't belong ahead of those teams. Yes, Agreed exactly. Completely. Agree. Yep. The only so, debate I have is re- related to Michigan. That's I mean, look, Clemson's yeah. down years, Ryan. <laughs> Yeah. Are back to back ten and three ten win ten win seasons. I know and that's Clemson's down period. They've gone eleven and three and ten and three, and people are writing them off like they're some garbage program. All of a sudden, and and, and I I you love know? that Dabo Sweeney has been so quick to make changes with his coaching yeah. staff as well. Like it, there was, I mean, you know, all due respect to you know the 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 offense that they were running last year, but we know what hasn't been great over the last couple of years, right? But he kind of hits the eject button after one year of a new offense coordinator. He's like, you know what? I need to get a young guy, a really smart, intelligent guy that maybe can push the envelope a little bit. So I'm still pretty high on Clemson. I mean, I had Clemson one spot ahead of Notre Dame because I think that there's yeah. still sustainability that could be there. It's just, you know, what is Garrett Riley going to look like as the offense coordinator at Clemson? It's, yeah. it's going to be a little bit of a question, but sure. I think it's good. I think it could be very good. So, point is, yeah. Clemson still belongs ahead of Notre Dame, although okay. the counter argument that some will have is Notre Dame is, is two and two against Clemson in that stretch. But again, that's 500. Clemson beat you in the two games that mattered, the yes. postseason games, AC, and they have a championship in the last five years. Back to the Notre Dame Michigan thing. For me, I get why people are high on Michigan. It's back-to-back playoff appearances, beat Ohio State. That's fine. I don't really care about that as, as like, trumping everything else. They're also a team that went 2-4 and four in 2020. They're also a team that went 9-4 and four the year before that. So, yeah, great. They, they beat Ohio State. They have zero playoff wins. Neither does Notre Dame, right? They have the same number of playoff appearances. The only difference is, is Michigan's are more recent, 
but it, it's all about the Michigan Ohio State stuff. I'm not as sold on Michigan's roster moving forward. So past history, okay, well, we said five years. Last five years, Notre Dame has nine more wins than Michigan. And and you could, unlike Ohio State, if Michigan would have played a full season in 2020, they don't add many more wins on that. They were a bad football team in 2020. I mean, they yep. flat out quit at that point in time last year. And then basically, you know, had COVID issues, and that's why they couldn't play Ohio State, right? So I get that they've beat Ohio State twice, but this isn't a two-year look back. It's a five-year look back. And in those five years, Notre Dame, you said Notre Dame's worst year, nine and four under Marcus Freeman. He's got some stuff to prove. Yep. But Jim Harbaugh's got to prove to me that he can continue to do what he's done. Now, he's had some staff turnover as well. Has Is this the new Michigan? Or did Michigan just have a nice little two-year window with a veteran team and they've, you know, a chunk of those guys are going to be gone? That's a question for me. I also think that Michigan's success has been inflated by crap non-conference schedules. That's allowed them to kind of get into a rhythm that teams that schedule like real top programs would do. And so to me, I I feel like they're closer to Cincinnati than they are to some of those other teams. Like Ohio State's gone to the postseason, played Clemson down to the wire, beat Clemson the next year in the postseason, played for a national title. Yes, I get that they've lost to Michigan the last two years. They looked a lot better in the playoff this year than they than Michigan did. I mean, they took the national champs sure. down to the wire, and if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt, we're saying the same thing about Ohio State this year that we said about uh, Alabama last year. Hey, if Mechie and Jamison Williams don't get hurt, Bama's the champs last year, right? I say the same thing this year. If Marvin Harrison doesn't get knocked out of the game, I don't think Georgia beats Ohio State, and Ohio State would have destroyed TCU. Just like because, – because here's the difference, and you've said – that you said I think it's you that said this, Ryan. You or Sean, but I think it was you. Michigan has done everything they can to beat Ohio State, and it's worked. Ohio yes. State's building their team to win a cha- national championship. That's the difference. That's why they beat Notre Dame, why they have a win over Clemson. Other than Ohio State, which is a big wins, what has Michigan done the last five years? What What's the other big win? What's the non-conference wins that they're hanging their hat on the last five years? They, they beat Notre Dame. Then they went out and got blown out by Alabama in a bowl game, right? Beat Notre Dame in the rain. Well, Notre Dame beat them the year before. And then Michigan went out that year and got blown out by Florida in a bowl game. That's what that's what they've done. Like yeah. what, what's the postseason success that Michigan has had that everybody can hang their hat on? In the last five years, Michigan has a grand total of zero bowl wins. Zero. That doesn't impress me. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. To to be three which is what josh has them and number six and i don't think michigan's recruited like a lot of these other teams that we're talking about this conversation so i don't know if they're going to be able to reload i think they did a good job they they're a bad matchup for ohio state the way that ohio state is constructed but i think that we're going to see in year two of jim knoll's tenure we're going to see that defense get a lot better in my opinion and and now ohio state's got a lot to prove but the big black mark on Ohio State's resume is they can't beat they can't beat Michigan yeah. last couple of years. That's a big one. But and, they have a if, lot more positives going for them than just that. Where the only sure. thing going for Michigan right now is they beat Ohio State twice. Okay, Ole Miss beat Ohio beat Alabama twice back in the early teens. Would we have put Ole Miss in the top five because of that? No. Your body of work's got to be better, and their body of work to me doesn't impress me a whole lot. To be honest with you. 
Well, I think when you look at Ohio State, though, juxtaposing those two teams together, I mean, I, I could argue that Michigan is one Ohio State victory again away from Brian Day being let go as the head Possibly. coach of Ohio State. I mean, Possibly. that's kind of what sure. we're looking at. Sure. And anytime there's a coaching change, and I know that Ohio State's always going to have a really talented roster, that's going to be some like there's there's going to be a transitional period where you're like, you know, you have to see who it is and how right. it's going to work out. And there's a lot of uncertainty that kind of unfolds for that. Right. So I just I think, think for me, like for Michigan as well, though. How are they sure. going to handle losing their def- another? Didn't they, I, I mean, did, did I mean they lost Minter they State, lost their right? offensive coordinator last year though, and they were and, better. Well, and, and and they lost the guy that was calling plays this year because he got yeah. fired because of all that other stuff. Like it's at some point those losses have you have to be able to replenish those losses with players, and I don't think they they've recruited well enough to me to continue that. I think they got hot at a right time and had a stretch. We've seen it before. And so to me, I just don't see the, I don't see the, the resume outside of the, it's like their entire resume, entire resume is what they did the last two years against Ohio state. Right. I don't see the recruiting success to argue where they, that where they are. I don't see the postseason success. Yeah. They made the playoff twice. Okay. Well, Cincinnati made it once. And I think Cincinnati's game was actually the Cincinnati final score was actually wasn't it closer than the Michigan Final Four? About the same. I mean, neither team was very competitive in those games, and and so it's like you know, Michigan goes and they lose to TCU this year. Got outplayed by TCU. Got blown out by Georgia last year by twenty three. Got got went two and four the year before that. In twenty nineteen, they got blown out by Alabama and Ohio State. By the way, uh, got blown out by Michigan or Wisconsin that year, and then two thousand eighteen. They got beat by Notre Dame, got blown out by Ohio State again, and then got blown out by Florida. So I'll ask again, like, what's the what's what are we building this resume on for Michigan being a top five team beyond two games against Ohio State, which are good. Don't get me wrong, they're good. But I just I don't I there there's gotta be more than that to me. And I think let me let me just go look at this real quick. Uh yeah, they are three and two against Penn State, so you could argue that. But I are, I have them ahead of Penn State, so sure. you know I just to me Michigan you have to have more than hey we beat our rival twice to be a to be a top five program for me. I mean I mean that rival's a top three team in the sure. in college football that. though. I mean it's, you but can't there just has ignore to be it. Something more than just that. Right? I mean, they like, just won a Big Ten championship, right? I mean, that's okay. that matters. Doesn't that right. matter? Because they beat Ohio State, but who they sure. beat in the Big Ten championship? A terrible Iowa team. Hey man, they can't choose Here's who's so. made it on the other side. I get man. all that, but when yeah. you're comparing them to other teams, put it like this: in the last two years, the team that won that they played in the Big Ten title game would either of those teams have beat Notre Dame? No, probably not. No, no. no. So that's my whole thing. Is is you, you know they're. What do we base success on? Beat your rival. Okay, check. They're two and two against their rival the last five years. Because we said we're going to look at the last five years. Two and two. Are they recruiting better than Ohio State? No. Uh, What are their big non-conference wins? Beating an okay Notre Dame team in 2019. Right? Is that that their – I mean, have they done anything else out of conference other than that? I mean, their their last two years – and that's the thing where I'm holding against them. I'm holding against them a little bit the the fact that they've had a joke of a non-conference schedule the last two years, an absolute joke of a non-conference schedule, and and yes, I am going to hold that against them because while Ohio State's going out and playing Notre Dame in the opener, Michigan's playing UConn 
and Hawaii and Colorado State out of conference. That's a joke. That's a joke. I'm sorry. You, I get, you get no respect for me when you're doing that. UConn was a bowl team last year, man. And that was their <laughs> best non-conference win. That was their best non-conference win. That says a lot. So I, I just yes, the Ohio the, the Ohio State wins are why they're six. Because let's be honest, Ryan, if they lost to Ohio State the last two years, just those two games, they're not yeah. in the top ten. They might still be at like number ten for me. Honestly. Based on what? Might st- uh, still sustainability. They're still winning double digit wins every year. Like I, no, they're not winning double digit games every year. Last They've two years. Two, last two. You said every year, but yeah. we said we're looking well, at five. The two previous years, they were two and four, nine and four. They weren't a. T- they weren't a ten plus one. But here's the thing: if they if they have the mission, the loss to Ohio State, what's the resume? Zero Big Ten championships, right? You talk about probably still don't have any postseason wins because they haven't beat anybody in the postseason. They're just good enough to play teams that whoop them every year. Their entire resume is built on those two wins because if they don't beat Ohio State the last two years, they're they're no different than Penn State, in my opinion, with the exception of Penn State never was as bad as Michigan was in 2020, in my opinion. So I, I don't think they're a top-10 team if they don't have those two wins. And that's my whole point is you can't be a top-5 team, in, in, in my view, if you're basing your entire five-year span over two games. That's my whole thing, because no one has still been able to point to me anything in their resume beyond those two wins as being a top-10 team. Because we said, well, they, they were a top-10 win team three of the last five years. Well, so was Cincinnati. And Cincinnati has a bigger win on their resume than what Michigan would have if you took away the Ohio State wins. Now, you can't take away the Ohio State wins, which is why I have them six. But that's my whole thing is they're at six strictly because of that. And I was even debating whether to have them seven. And that leads me to an, a, a team that's that's next on my list that neither you nor Josh had in the top 10. And I was shocked by that. And that's LSU. No, I had LSU in my top 10. I had him at eight. Oh, I see him. I thought I didn't see him there. Yep. You had him at eight. I was shocked Josh had him at 10. I'm cool with you having him at 8. We're only one off at 7. But if you're going to look at recent success plus trajecting forward, I think you can make a better case for LSU to be ahead of Michigan because in the last four years, LSU has a national title. In the last four years, LSU has as many 10-plus win seasons as Michigan does. And they're recruiting better than Michigan is right now. And their head coach – I think Brian Kelly's going to have LSU to be a good football team. I was never one of those people who says he's going to be fired. I have a buddy who's going to be fired in three years. I was like, based on what? There's no track record of Brian Kelly failing like that. Yeah. What I've always said is he's not going to win a national championship there, and I still believe that. But he's going to win there. He's already did a nice job of that last year, went 10-4, and four, had a win over Alabama. I think you could make a case to have LSU ahead of Michigan because, again – you could say LSU has in the last four years has more big wins than even Michigan does with their two wins over Ohio State because they beat Bama, they beat Clemson, they've beaten Bama actually a couple times in the last four years. So 19, 20, 21, and 22. They beat Bama in 19, they beat Bama in 22. And then uh they have a national championship, as I mentioned. So I I look at them and I say, you look at a common opponent last year. And Michigan beat Purdue forty-three to twenty-two. LSU beat them sixty-three to seven, and and their one common opponent. 
And LSU's record would have looked similar to Michigan's, in my opinion, if Michigan would have played a Florida State caliber team early in the season as well. Michigan's weak non-conference allowed them to get good and replace all the losses they had, in my opinion. So uh, I think you could make a case for LSU, but I think that I think that the known argument that you made, Ryan, about mm-hmm. Michigan is why I still have Michigan slightly ahead of LSU. But to me, sure. that's my debate with Michigan. Not should they be ahead of Notre Dame. It's should they even be ahead of LSU. That's where I'm at. And I was surprised, Josh. And it, I think it goes to show he's not an SEC homer. He only had two SEC teams in his top ten, if I'm if I'm correct. He had uh, let's let's look at Josh's top ten. Yeah, he had uh, Big Twelve. Pac-12, Pac-12, Big Ten, Independent, ACC, Big Ten, Big Ten. He had more Big Ten teams in his top ten than he had SEC teams. It's wild. Which I only had three SEC teams. There aren't more than that. But I, I believe LSU, when you combine recent history with projecting forward, I think they belong in the, in, the, in, the, in the top ten for sure. And I think you could argue if they maybe belong a little bit higher, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I was – you know, I, I was – they had to be in the top 10. Like there was no doubt in my yeah. opinion. Right. Because I mean, especially if we're working back five years, because now you're talking about the LSU 2019 team, right. They won a national four years for that, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's in obviously that time frame. I, and I give Brian Kelly all the credit for this simple facts, right. Took over a bad LSU roster. That was, they were a dumpster fire. They were, they were. They, their fans got butt hurt about that, but they were that 30. 30- What's funny is right. They'll in one breath make excuses for four losses by saying we only had thirty guys on the you know thirty some scholarship players, but then when I call that a dumpster fire, he inherited a dumpster fire. Yeah. They get all their feelings about it, right? Yeah. So he did. He inherited a dumpster fire and he took him to the SEC championship game. With yep. all that. And he did a lot. He did a lot better than I thought he was going to do year one. I thought it was going to be more in the seven eight win range type of thing because like LSU is always going to have talent. But to your point, Brian, it's about. Do they have a full roster of talent, right? Do they have the depth to be able to win, you know, consistently in the SEC? They won 10 games in his first year. So you look forward and you say with the way he's recruiting, or well, I should say with the way the staff is recruiting, that it should be pretty sustainable moving forward. Like there's no doubt about that, right? So you have the, obviously the big championship win. There was obviously a couple not great seasons in there at the end, obviously with why Ed Ryan was asked to get out of town type of conversation, right? But you have Brian Kelly now and moving forward. I think that it's going to be a sustainable product. You're going to compete in the SEC. There's no doubt in my mind. I always come back to, though, that I think that there's a little bit of a cap on what Brian Kelly can accomplish. That's my biggest thing, right? They're going to win 10 games. They're going to compete in the SEC. Are they going to win a championship? I have my major question marks there, which is why they're still at at eight for me and not a little bit higher. Is the only reason I don't have them a little bit higher on the list because I do like a lot of what Brian Kelly is doing at LSU. I just look forward to uh, to this season, Brian, because what's another thing that Brian that the staffs under or teams under Brian Kelly are always known for? Year two regressions at quarterback. Yes. Let's see what Jane Daniels yes. looks like in 2023. Although I have more faith in Mike Denbrock that's than fair. I do Brian Kelly. Very and fair. that's why I don't think we'll see that tr- same same level of drop off there. But yes, I mean that's that's the fascinating thing is can Brian Kelly build on his first year? Sometimes yeah. you ask yourself, wait, did we win too quick? Yes, for a rabid fan base, and, and I, I, if they'd gone eight and five last year, Ryan, they'd have made yeah. fans would have made all the excuses in the world. And then if he jumps up to ten wins in year two, and but doesn't make the SEC title game, but they go ten and two, and they're just they lose to Bama, they're like, wow, what a great turnaround! 
But the yeah. fact that they beat Bama and played for the SEC West Championship in year one, you sometimes wonder, are LSU fans going to have an unrealistic expectation of what this team should look like in year two? And that's that to me is a little bit of a, a, a question that I have. But let me ask you this, sure. Ryan. Yep. Looking at the resume, and again, w- criteria we've used, recent history, combined with present plus future, state the case for why Michigan belongs ahead of LSU. Because you've also said, do you think Michigan can win a championship? Under I, think they can, I think they can compete with them for a championship. I don't know necessarily win, but I think they could be in the big game. Like, I think, I think that there's potential that they could, they could be in a national championship game. Yes, okay. I do. Not necessarily win. But not LSU? I, I'm asking. I'm I, not- I, don't, I don't think LSU was, is going to get to a national championship and win yeah. one. Because no, of I Kelly? I yeah, because I, I think there's a little bit of a cap, and I just sure. – Look, man, I need to see it at the end of the what, day. What, but what has like Harbaugh shown as far as being a, a team that can make a championship game compared to Kelly? I, I mean, I, I just – I feel I, – I honestly – and I know some people are going to push back on this, and it's fine. But, like, I thought Michigan was going to take a nosedive the last two years because yes, with agreed. all the stuff of Jim Harbaugh interviewing for NFL teams and all that great stuff, right, I was like, this team is going to quit and because they're going to be like, I don't – like, this guy doesn't want to be here. And I – Jim Harbaugh is really impressed me because I'm like, that guy – amidst a lot of questions probably around the future of the program, as far as his involvement in the future of the program has still developed that team. Well, man. And they, I mean, I, I'm looking at guys every week now, Brian, where it's like Mike Morris and that Sanistral kid at no at nickel, where I'm just like, those kids are solid football players. Not yeah. great though. And they're de- being developed at a high level, in my opinion, like they are getting the most out of the talent. So when I look at that, I just think that there's a little bit of a, Higher ceiling to Michigan than LSU right now because I just I question Brian Kelly being that guy to take yeah. to the next level. And I think that at the core, I think Jim Harbaugh can develop talent. And I think that's what he's done at Michigan over the last two years. I give him a lot of credit for yeah. It could have been easy for his teams to be like, man, you don't want to be here, dog. Like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I would say Kelly had a similar resurrection at Notre Dame in 2017 and 18 after the four and eight season and his team quit on him that year. So I I get where you're saying. And I think a lot of your, where I don't disagree with your comments on Kelly. I just don't give Jim Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt that we're not willing to give to Brian Kelly. That's my, that's my big thing. And, you know, cause look, look, Brian Kelly in the last five years has a win over Clemson and a win over Alabama. He's got multiple wins over teams that we would have as top five teams. All of, I go back to this again, 
all of the wins for Michigan are the entire resume is built on. It, it's it's built on the Ohio State wins. I mean, same number of playoff appearances for the two coaches, Kelly and Harbaugh. Same number of playoff wins. Brian Kelly at least has a postseason win in that stretch. Actually, does he? Yeah, they not much of one. They beat Iowa State, so I'm not giving him too much credit for that one. But uh, yeah, so I mean that that's kind of where I, my debate is. This year will be very telling, Ryan, because if if Harbaugh is going to maintain this thing, then we're going to see it again this year. That's the big thing for me. But again, it's all going to come down to, in my opinion, two games. And that's why I just don't have a lot of respect for Michigan because every year there's really just two games in their schedule that matter. Their non-conference this year is a freaking joke again. It's East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. When East Carolina is the best team you play non-conference, you should be embarrassed for, uh, to be at the University of Michigan. Embarrassed. And again, that's why I just I just have a hard time with that. Where LSU, not only do they play in a tough division like Michigan, Michigan plays in one of the best divisions in college football. Would you agree with that? The Big Ten West is, is one of the probably two or three yeah. best divisions in college football. I think it's yeah. right there with the SEC West in most yeah. seasons. The SEC East is coming along, but I would say that that it's in that conversation. Sure. Yeah. I think that the ACC Atlantic in the middle of this last decade was in there because you had Florida state Clemson and then Louisville with Lamar sure. was really yeah. good. But to me, I mean, to me, the sec West and the big 10 East are the two probably toughest divisions in college football right now. And, and so I'll give Michigan credit for playing in that division, but what, but they're just not challenging themselves in, in other regards. And when you play that kind of non-conference, East Carolina, you want to be in Bowling Green. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you should, you should be embarrassed by that. LSU's playing Florida State. You know, like, I'm sorry. I, I'm just, no, that's no, embarrassing. No disagreement for me on that on that side of the coin. Like, yeah. Michigan needs to play better out of conference. No, no, right. con- like, no pushback at all on that side of it. Like, right. no doubt. No doubt right. about that. And so I, I am knocking them for that. I'll be honest with them, with you. When your whole season's built around, we have two tough games, and that's about it. Then you and I swatched. There was a lot of games last year. Michigan didn't look very good and still won because they played junk week after week after week. The Big Ten outside of three teams, and, and you've even argued two teams because when you and I were having a conversation about the Big Ten, you were like, you gave me that look when I brought up Penn State. Yeah. Right. And so because Penn State wasn't that good of a team this year. They 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 weren't. No, there there were obvious there were obviously limitations to right. Penn State this year. Obviously. That was my thing with the Big Ten this year. With Penn State and with with uh with Michigan, I felt there was definite limitations to just like who they were, but they just weren't exposed because of who they played. And and that's a but at least Penn State can say, Hey, we went on the road and played Auburn. We tried to schedule well. You know, they just they were down. And, uh, you know, we're Michigan that just they don't they don't have that same they don't get that same benefit of the doubt. And then this year, Mich- the Penn State is, is they're playing West Virginia. Now, that's not a it's not a very good non-conference, but it's way better than East Carolina. You know, I don't know, man. East Carolina might have been able to beat West Virginia last year, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. West Virginia is pretty but, bad. But when they scheduled that game. You sure. wouldn't have made that argument. That's why sure. that's why I said, like when Alabama played Florida State, what was it 2000 and. 17 and Florida State ended up it was a top five team going into the season it ended up not being very good like seven and six I'm not banging Bama for that because they tried they I mean they were a team that a couple years before 
you know, we're in the playoff. They tried to schedule well. This team was down that year. And like I give Ohio State, Ohio State scheduled a, t- a playoff caliber opponent when they scheduled Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame ended up not being that this year, but Ohio State had the intent of playing a playoff caliber team. Michigan has the intent of playing nothing. Right. And let's be real. If they'd have known UConn was going to have Jim Moore Jr. be a bowl team, they might have dropped them and picked <laughs> up UMass the way that Michigan. Oh, Don Brown. Don't mess with Don Brown like that. So, man. yeah. So that's, <laughs> so that's there. So that, that LSU Michigan Notre Dame conversation is good for me. Notre Dame. Here's my case for Notre Dame. I never actually gave one. Number one, it's consistency. Now, again, the ding on that is the consistency came with a different coach, but even in Marcus Freeman for all the first year blunders he had this year, they're still nine and four and had a blowout win over, over Clemson. The way Notre Dame finished their season to me is why I'm a lot higher on the Marcus Freeman regime than maybe some others, not you. Cause I know you're very high on them. You're making a very fair point. Yeah. You think the world of coach Freeman, we both think he's going to win, but you're just saying, Hey, if we're being fair and objective, I need to see it. That's very fair. Sure. The way that they finished the season with the win over South Carolina, beating Clemson the way they beat Clemson, you know, blowing out Boston College with a beat up. I mean, Notre Dame was missing a lot against USC. That's part of football. I get that. Still battled, still went on the road, didn't fate, like, didn't fold against USC. They just didn't make enough plays. To me, I'm comfortable with that. And then I love the way that they're recruiting. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care where you want to rank Notre Dame's 2023 class. There are not 10 classes in the country or even close to 10 classes in the country that I'm taking over Notre Dame's. There's just not. And I've made that case even without Brandon Hillman. There, I don't even know if there's five, to be completely honest with you. Then you add the fact that this is the most impactful portal session that Notre Dame has had. And oh, I don't think, and I don't think yeah. Javante, I mean, you're talking, and, and here's the thing. They went out and got an all-ACC wide receiver who might not even start, who yes. probably won't start for Notre Dame. And, and so to me, you got an impact quarterback. They're recruiting at a high level. They recruited an impact quarterback in the portal. They signed a top 100 caliber quarterback in this past class, and they have a five-star quarterback committed in their 24 class. That's been Notre Dame's big weakness the last five years. That position alone, looking the way that I think it's going to look, is a big reason why I'm comfortable saying Notre Dame is at five. They do have some big wins, right? They don't have the 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 big big wins, right? Meaning they they didn't beat a a, a an Ohio State when Ohio State was a playoff caliber team like Michigan did. Got to sure. be fair. Michigan beat Ohio State when Ohio State was a playoff caliber team both years. That's those are big wins. LSU beat Alabama in a year where Alabama is a playoff caliber team. Why do I say that? Because if Alabama beats LSU, they're probably in the playoff over Ohio State. Right or wrong, they probably are. And so they both beat playoff caliber teams. And and if L, and if Ohio State beats Michigan and Alabama beats LSU, then they're probably in over TCU because of TCU's Big 12 championship loss to Kansas State. Would you agree with that, too? Ohio yeah. State's definitely in because they're undefeated. Yeah. And then uh, Alabama would probably be in over over uh, uh, Kansas State, or, I mean, excuse, over TCU. I, TCU. I, I, would, I would argue that. So, to me, those are, bi- those are big wins where Notre Dame beat a – Notre Dame beat a team in Clemson that would have been a playoff contender going into the South Carolina game, but that knocked them out. If they'd have beat Notre Dame, the South Carolina game knocked them out. That's 
that's the reality of it, in my opinion. I don't know if Clemson could have got in it with one loss if that loss was to South Carolina, because then that would have made Notre Dame, you know, well, Notre Dame at that time would have been in what seven and five. That game yeah. would have not meant anything to for Clemson's resume. Sure. So that's why I say I give them credit. They don't have that kind of win on their docket, but they have a lot of good wins. They do have a very good win over Clemson. Even though Clemson wasn't as good without Trevor Lawrence, that was still a top 10 caliber Clemson team in 2020. So they do have two wins over Clemson in the last three years, actually. And that boosts their resume as well. But I think it's the consistency. I think they're recruiting better than Michigan. And I have a lot more faith in Marcus Freeman to be able to raise Notre Dame above where Notre Dame has been under Kelly and where Michigan is now. Michigan now is Brian Kelly's Notre Dame, in my opinion, without the big win over Ohio State. I mean, with the big win over Ohio State. That's where they are. They're good. They're going to be consistent. But they're just never never going to be a championship caliber team to me. And I think Notre Dame has that, in my view. And, yes, they had the two bad losses last year, and that's that's where you can make the argument to have them lower. Yep. Because Michigan doesn't have – this past Michigan team – does the past two Michigan teams don't have losses to Marshall and Stanford. They have some losses like that in 2020, getting blown out by Indiana, stuff like that. But I just think the consistency, the recruiting, and the trajectory to me, I think this is – I think this has been a much better offseason for Notre Dame than Notre Dame fans think because of the way that they got to where they've gotten the way that the Andy Ludwig thing went down the way you know losing Matt Luke. But if you just uh, remove the process and just look at what this off season has meant really good freshman class, it's going to be hard to keep off the field. Great portal off season for Notre Dame, big time portal off season. And I still think they have a very good coaching staff. And I think their coaching staff now is better than it was a year ago. In my opinion, when you consider guys coming back and all that. So that's why I'm, I have Notre Dame in my top five and all that. And so I get the Michigan thing, but that's why I have Notre Dame in my top five. Top fours are all the same, right? And I think we had them in the same order because you had Michigan five, right? No, I had Michigan three. You had Michigan three? Yeah. You had them ahead of Ohio State. Yep. We've had that conversation. We both have Georgia one, Alabama two. Talk to me about Clemson, because I'll tell you what, I would have been on your side having Clemson at five. I have him at four. I have Ohio State at three. I have Alabama at two, and I have Georgia at one. I would have probably had Clemson below Notre Dame if they didn't hire Garrett Riley this offseason at offensive yeah. coordinator. And not even that I think he's necessarily a great OC, but I think he is a great fit for the stud quarterback that they already have. And sure. Cade Klubnik. And I think that was huge. And their defensive coordinator is not that good, but he, they still had a solid defense last year. You know, I mean, their talent was really good. Their production was just it was solid. It was solid. They right. struggled against Wake. They struggled against Notre Dame. They struggled against good offenses for the most part. But I think their offense is going to be a lot better. And I think that stops the bleeding a little bit for Clemson. And again, we're talking about a team that over the last two years, Ryan, has struggled. And they're 21 and six. You know what I mean? Like, and then when you've considered the fact they have a national title on their docket the last five during the stretch we've looked at, two national title appearance game appearances in the last five years, they still belong in that conversation to me to be in the yeah. top five. And, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. That's that's why I had them in the top five. I, I think that for me, Clemson 
the past is the past, right? We look at like 2018 and what they've been able to do. And, you know, even with DJ Uyunglele not being a great quarterback last year, you still have a double digit win season, right? Like they're still I, the 11 Dabo wins. 11, 11 wins, wins with yeah. DJs, your, a terrible DJ Uyunglele is your quarterback. Yeah. And I think that for me, you know, the sustainability that Dabo's created is fantastic, right? Like he's that like they're going to win double digit wins every single year. Like there's no doubt. My questions are more moving forward here a little bit. And I agree. I like the Garrett Riley hiring. I think that that will end up being a very good hire for them. I just don't know as much about Cade Klubnik, I think, as you do, right? So I just I need to see Cade a little bit more. Like, Can I didn't I evaluate question? him coming out of okay, high school. Okay, that was going to be my question. Yeah. So you're not yeah. questioning Cade Klubnik. You're just saying you just my, haven't seen him as much. My, my opinion That's on Cade, Cade Klubnik is a couple um, a couple blowout wins last year for Clemson, one game where he played a large portion, and then the, this little I saw of him against Notre Dame. Like, that's my opinion of Cade Klubnik. I don't know anything more than him. Outside of that, he went to Austin Westlake. Like yeah. that's and that he was a highly ranked kid. So I need to see more, obviously, from him. That's He's fair. an unknown for me as of right now. And then the defensive side of the ball is really what has me a little bit down on this team kind of moving forward a little bit. Because yes, right. it was still a good defense, but I would expect it to be a good to very good defense with Trenton Simpson and Brian Brissy and Miles Murphy, right? Like that's kind of like my expectations. I thought Trenton Simpson took a step back this past year. I thought Miles Murphy took a slight step back. And Brian Brissett was dealing with a lot, so like I don't hold yeah. that one against West Goodwin as much. Correct. But I don't. I don't. I think yeah. that defense underperformed comparative to the talent level I that he had. I mean, we saw against Notre Dame, man, where like Notre Dame was just manhandling them up front. Like, and, man, and not only that, but they out schemed them. Tommy Reese was one step ahead of their defensive staff the entire game. Yes. That that I mean that you know just complete completely out coached by him. Yep. I just think the thing we've learned from Dabo is he's not going to just let that keep happening. There's going to be some ultimatums and changes. You know what? Honestly, Ryan, there's two things that have me feeling, okay, Clemson has stopped the bleeding. Clemson, prior to two years ago, was a they were in the debate with Bama for who should be one. I mean, after 2020, that was the debate, right? Yeah. Who should be one, Bama or Clemson? You'd probably go Bama because they had the most recent championship, but yeah. you know, Clemson had had whooped them a couple times in, in that stretch. You know what I mean? And so sure. – uh, if we were looking at the last, previous five years, which would have included in 2020, would have included 2016. I, I think they they they've struggled, in my opinion, in in recruiting in some areas. I think their last two classes have really helped resolve that. I Clemson had a class last year that I view very similar to Notre Dame's, and that I think it's a very underrated class, a very underrated class. Now. Chris Vizina is a top 50 caliber quarterback player as a quarterback. I thought they had a, an excellent defensive line class. Uh, you know, I'm very high on Tamorian Parker. Peter Woods is a really good player. I like Vic Burley quite, quite a bit. Stephylin Green's okay. I think he was a tad overrated. They got a really good edge rusher from DC that I re- like a lot. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. He's a really good player. Uh, recruited some really talented pass catchers. I mean, if they keep Ronan Hannafin at wide receiver, we lo- we wanted him at Notre Dame as a wide yep. receiver. And if he can't stick a receiver, it's going to be the same thing. If Ronan Hannafin moves over to defense at, for for uh, Clemson, he's been the kind of linebacker that they've thrived with in recent years. You know, rangy six two athletic yeah. kid, right? So I I really like their recruiting class. I thought that their 2022 class was really good in the secondary, and they needed that. 
They signed yeah. some good corners and this some good DBs in this year's class. Their the DB class isn't as good as last year's DB class. Not even close. You know, but they got AJ Terrell's little brother. And he's a good player. Uh, Brandon Strozier's a, a solid four-star caliber uh, cornerback as well. So I thought they did. They thought they did okay this year, recruiting-wise, in the secondary when they needed it. Uh, their skill levels upped a little bit with the last two classes. I thought their their incoming freshman class of receivers good. Last year's receiver class was really good. They had obviously we saw EJ, um, not EJ Williams. EJ Williams is the kid Antonio from Williams. a couple years before Antonio Williams. And yeah. I'm a big Adam Randall fan. I think he's going to be. Re- I think he's going to end up being the best of that group when it's all said and done. He's just really raw. Be 6'2", 215 coming out, really dynamic player. I love that kid coming out. So I just think their talent level is up at a lot of positions. One position that I think they've struggled to recruit the last couple of years since Will Shipley is running back. They haven't recruited running back very well since Will Shipley left. But the other thing is their offensive line recruiting has really gone on the uptick the last couple of years. They had the kid started as a freshman this year. I think Aaron that's Miller, been something yeah. that's – yes, that's been something that's helped them. Uh, they're recruiting the the – the the offensive line much better the last couple of years. And I think that's helped them as well. So I that's why I still I have Clemson four. I have them ahead of Michigan because again, if we're looking at the last five years, Clemson has three playoff wins. Michigan only has two playoff appearances. You know, sure. and I know they've been down, but their down is not that far off from where Michigan is. You know, and 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 I think they're going to be a way better quarterback, in my opinion. So I that's that's where I'm at. I I think that they're still. I still have them four. Now, the thing is, the gap between them at number four is much greater. The top three for me, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama, is kind of by itself, just from the overall body of work. And I know Michigan has wins over them, but the overall body of work at Ohio State the last five years is still better than what Michigan has. And I still think Ohio State's recruiting a lot better than what Michigan has. But I'll say this, and, and it, it would be stupid if it's true, but don't put it past Ohio State to put Ryan Day on the hot seat, if not outright fire him if they lose to Michigan again this year. I think, oh, I think, I think they would. I think they would. I think would. that'd be stupid, but I think that I could see that happening. I really could yeah. see that happening. If he loses three straight years to Michigan, I guarantee they would fire him. Like I would not be shocked at all if that happens, honestly. I think that'd be dumb. To be again, not saying I would do it, but I just right. – I'd I actually be surprised if they kept him. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You're not saying that what they should do. It's just you, we know we know how irrational Ohio State is, especially their yeah. fans. And Ohio, Ohio State fans are not don't seem that high on Ryan Day. Every time they they every time you bring him up, they don't seem that overly high on well, him at all. So the the way that they're you, look, you I grew up in Ohio. Okay, so I, I come at this from a different point of view than you do. I lived it. And I was surrounded by Ohio State fans my entire life. And John Cooper had that program rolling in the mid-90s. But he was never respected by Ohio State fans. They hated him. Why? Because he couldn't beat Michigan. Like, literally, that's that's where it is. Can't beat Michigan. That's the one thing you can't do, Ryan. You, if yeah. they'd have gone 10-2 and two last year, missed the playoffs, but beat Michigan, Ohio State fans would have a better view of their season than actually being a playoff team that took the national champs down to the wire and, but they lost to Michigan. And I also think too, right. It's the way that they've lost to Michigan the last two years. They've been outclassed in both games, both games. I mean, the second half of the last two games have been embarrassing. If you're an Ohio state fan, in my opinion. And so that's, you know, it's irrational. I don't think it would be a smart thing to do, but knowing Ohio state fans and having grown up in that, 
I could see it. It'd be t- it'd be tough if they go twelve and one, um, and they fire him because they lose to Michigan. But you know, I could I could see it. It'd be stupid and irrational, but I could see it. I could see it. I you know, because the thing is, when 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 John Cooper got fired, though, Ryan, this is what people don't forget. He wasn't winning at the end. They didn't fire him when he was in the middle of being really good. They waited until he had a couple, you know, a, a couple down years. I mean, he didn't. They didn't fire him in 1998. Uh, partly, actually, because he he actually beat Michigan that year. They didn't fire him in, in previous years when they went 11 and one and and you know 10 and three and and lost to Michigan like in 2000 in 1996. They lost to Michigan and that knocked them out. They were number two in the nation. They'd have played for the championship that year, knocked them out. They lost to Michigan the year before. They were undefeated in 95. They were 10 and 2 in 95. Went to Michigan as the number two team in the country, lost again. Um, they beat Michigan in 93 and or 94, excuse me. Uh, lost to Michigan in 93. They were ranked fifth in the country. They had they were undefeated. They only had a loss and they got blown out by Michigan. He didn't get fired after all those games. He got fired after 99 and 2000 when they went six and six and eight and four. Sure. So my hope would be that they'd be a little smarter than that, but I don't put Never anything else Ohio State. Never know, man. Never I know. Really I still have Ohio State three, though. And look, I get it. They lost to Michigan. They got a win over Notre Dame right, right this past season. They went toe-to-toe with Georgia, something that Michigan did not do the year before. I mean, they got blown out by Georgia the year before. They have a win over Clemson in the playoff, in that stretch. And, yeah, they got blown out by Alabama, but that was a phenomenal Alabama team. So I still have Ohio State three, but I think the distance between Ohio State and Alabama is still – there's still a little bit of a gap there, in my opinion. And there's definitely a gap between everybody else and Georgia, the way that Georgia's played the last two years, in my opinion. But Georgia's my number one. Alabama's my number two. That's where I have it. Georgia, wait, Georgia was number one, you said, on you, for you? In okay. Bama, too. Yeah. If I, yeah. I might have said it backwards, but yes, Georgia's number one. And, and it's not just because sure. of recent history. It's Georgia's recruiting every bit as good as Alabama, if not better. Yep. Uh, you know, in the last five years, you know, Georgia's won back-to-back titles. Look, Alabama has one title in the last five years, correct? 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. They yep. lost in the title game in 18, didn't make the playoff in 19, won the championship in 20 lost to Georgia in the title game at 21, and then this year they didn't make it. So Bama's missed the playoffs twice in the last five in the last four years. Georgia has missed it twice in the last four years. But there's a scent they're trending in the right direction where Saban is hoping that some of the changes he's made are going to reinvigorate the program. There's a little bit more of a projection there to have yeah. Bama too, where Georgia is like, okay, they're rocking and rolling. They're they're yes. they're here's the big question mark. I, with Georgia, I did not like the Mike Bobo hire. Did not like that hire. Not a Mike Bobo guy. I didn't think he did yeah. a very good job at Georgia the first time. I didn't think that he did. He obviously didn't do a very good job as an assistant or as a head coach at Colorado State. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big fan of, of Mike Bobo. I'll just leave it at that. I'm, uh, that's a concern because, like, we've seen it. Coaches make those hires, and you're like, Ooh, you know, drags you down a little bit. Sure. Is Mike Bobo going to be to Kirby Smart what Bill O'Brien was to Alabama, right? Or what I mean, Pete Golding was to Alabama? Might even be a better sure. example on defense. 
Yeah, that's going to be the question mark. But they're I, still I, number two to me. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting with the Bobo conversation with Georgia. I, I'm just curious if he isn't great. You know, if if Kirby Smart has the wherewithal to hit the eject button sooner rather than later, because you know we've talked about it, man. Every every head coach makes a bad hire occasionally, right? It's about how you kind of work back from it, and if you're able to kind of recognize it early enough to make you know obviously that decision. So we'll see about, uh, you know, I, I think for me, Brian, it's just, you know, Georgia, two straight national championships, obviously, right? They become the new standard in college football. And, you know, for a long time, it was Alabama was the standard. It's like that everyone's chasing them. Well, everyone moving forward, including Bama, in my opinion, is now chasing Georgia, right? right. So, like, that's – we'll talk about sustainability. You have put yourself as the class of college football, at least now. So right. now teams are going to be chasing you. So, you know, with the victories that they've had, with the championships they've won, with the standard they've set, I mean, that's kind of why Georgia was number one for me. And right. I don't think there's going to be too much pushback on that one. No. But yeah. yeah. Here, here's the pushback you could make, Ryan. Okay, listen. If we're going to talk about the last five years, the reality is Alabama has a – has a. let's see. Alabama has gone. They beat Georgia. And they didn't play in 18, did they? Who did Georgia beat in the SEC title game in two? two who did uh, Alabama beat in, in the uh, SEC title game in 2018? No, they did beat Georgia, right? Hold on a second. I let me, let me pull it up here. So Alabama in 2018, I thought that was the game. Yeah, they beat Georgia. That was the game where Georgia and that stupid fake punt. Remember that? Ah, with Justin Fields. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Bama beat him in 18. They beat him in – did they play him in 19? This is the thing because they hardly ever play in the regular season. I don't know if they yeah. – they did not play him in 19. They beat Georgia in 20. They split in 2021, and then they didn't play each other this year, right? Yes. Yep. So Bama's three and one against Georgia in the last five years. Uh and Bama the last five years is sixty-two and seven compared to sixty and eight for Georgia. That would be the that would be the case to have Bama one. However, there's a big one that matters to me, and that is Georgia has two titles in the last five years. Bama has one. Right. And it's also Bama is making coaching changes and hoping of fixing a problem that has been created where George is hoping that their coaching changes continue what they've been doing. Right. Those are the two. Yeah. Those exactly. Those are the two Trump cards for me in those, in those two cool. years. Right. And, and I think both, both coaches are kind of in a different place too. Right. As far as the head coaches, right. Like Nick Saban's, he's about to turn 70, right. If he's not 70 already, like he's getting up there. Right. So it's like, he's hitting that point where you're just like, how much longer is he going to coach? What's the run going to look like? Cause obviously they, I mean, they, they recruited a, crazy high level in 2023 like Alabama came back with vengeance on the recruiting trail but I still have questions about you know the we'll see what the offensive coordinator defensive coordinator hires end up being for Alabama you know what I mean like we'll see and this is a little bit of the last leg of coach Saban's career coming up here right the next couple of years are probably going to be it Kirby Smart's he has a window here where you're just like, yep, we're just going to keep on doing this thing and keep moving forward type of thing so I think it's just also both head coaches are just in a little bit different places in their career, right? Like there's shorter windows for Nick Saban and Kirby obviously doesn't have a, you don't know what the window is, right? Cause it's just like, he can coach as long as Georgia wants him, as long as he's successful, right? As long as he wants right. to be there. So, right. So that's our top 10, Ryan. So let's just recap. Josh Pate had 10, uh, 10 Oklahoma, nine USC, eight Utah, seven Penn state, six Notre Dame, five Clemson, four Ohio state, three Michigan, two Alabama, one Georgia. Overall, fair list. I would disagree with certain things. I'd have Michigan much lower. I would yep. not have the USC in there. I'd have Penn State a couple spots lower. 
but overall, I think he and I had nine of the same 10 teams. And then Ryan, your top 10, you're going to read your 10, uh, your top 10, 10 to one. Yep. My top 10, 10 to one was USC, Oregon, LSU, Penn State, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Georgia. My 10 was USC 10, nine, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Utah 10, nine Penn State, eight Oklahoma, seven LSU, six Michigan, five Notre Dame, four Clemson, three Ohio State, two Alabama, and one Georgia. So I think we're, there's not a lot of debate on who the top 10 is. There's a little bit of debate, not a ton. I think the conversation comes down into who, where should teams rank in the top 10? And I think that's the fun part of it. I was, I'll say the biggest surprise for me. I was very, very surprised he did not have LSU in the top 10. Yeah, that was a surprise to me, too. Yeah, yep, I agree. Very surprising. Uh, that, I mean, a team that in the last four years has won a title, uh, a team that just recruited a, a pretty darn good recruiting class, a team that's had success in the portal, a team yep. that beat Alabama last year, played for the SEC West title. Um, a lot, a lot uh, of guys also SEC returned title. to the team yeah. for 2023. Like there's a lot going for LSU. Right. I was surprised that they didn't have, he had him in the top 10. Very surprised. And you're coming from someone who looks for every chance he can get to take a shot at Brian Kelly, honest shot at Brian Kelly. But I have a hard time not putting LSU in the top 10. If we're based on the criteria that we went, we went, we went through. Agreed. I have a hard time with that one. So that's going to do it for our this portion. Right, We're going to do a mailbag next. So just a reminder to folks, tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, we are going to be joined by Deanna Gump, who is the head softball coach at Notre Dame. And we are going to have her on because we are doing a fundraiser for, with her tomorrow. So the Notre Dame softball team is currently running a fundraiser, which is meant to uh, help battle can- childhood cancer and to help families who have children go through ch- cancer in this community. And it's a very personal thing for her. I'm going to let her tell you the story tomorrow. And so we'll have Coach on. All the super chats that we get tomorrow, we are going to have a suit. So after Coach Gump leaves, we're going to do a, a Notre Dame mailbag session. And it will be only super chats. We will only answer super chats. So if y'all don't give me super chats, that show is going to be however long the interview is with Coach Gump. But we're going to have a, a super chat only mailbag and every single penny that we earn so google's going to keep their cut but every penny that we earn through super chats and super thanks which we'll explain again tomorrow will go we will then i will then give that money to her charity uh, as they look to get their goal their goal is forty thousand dollars uh last i checked ryan i think they were uh, when we started the show they were around 26 so let me just let me just find um their page now let me just see where they currently are with that fundraiser i'm just going to pull this up here real quick uh they are that's not it give me one second and they are currently at 26.4 so they are they're about thirteen thousand dollars away and i'm hoping uh that tomorrow we can put a big dent in that like we did like we did two years ago when we did the Thanksgiving chat, we are going to, or a fundraiser. We are going to hopefully have a couple more this year. I have a couple other ideas for things I'd like to do this season uh, when it comes to fundraisers and different things like that. And as we did last time, Ryan, every single penny that we make in donations, we give to the charity. There's no collector's fee. There's nothing like that that we will have. Every single penny will go there. So we'll help you guys. Uh, we want to help you guys get, we, we want us, you guys to help us get the softball team there. Uh, and to help her out. She's had a lot of success too, Ryan. I mean, they were the, 
They were in the playoffs, the college football playoffs, or college football, softball playoffs <laughs> last year. Uh, she's done a lot of really good things with that program. So um, we want to help. I mean, this kind of thing, Ryan, we absolutely want to help support, um, you know, what they're doing. She's got a, she's got a, a 800, she's won 825 games in her 22 seasons at Notre Dame. And so she's, she's done a phenomenal job there. Mul- multiple coach coaching staff of the year honors, 704 winning percentage all time in Notre Dame. So she's run a great program, but this is the stuff that we really love is is her her and her girls and her her program are trying to really make an impact in the community and we absolutely want to support that so that'll be tomorrow at one o'clock so definitely 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 please join us folks and be ready to help donate we really really would appreciate that so hit also this is the free thing you can do hit that like button hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell and share this podcast